We're going to jump straight in. We want to try and push to be short and be finished by half past ten so we can break into our groups, okay? Um, so I don't know if there's anyone who's new today who wasn't here last week. Um, if you did not listen to last week's lesson, you will have a, have a hard time following along, So, but you can always go back. Go and listen to last week's lesson. It's on the church group. And also the... Um, the 10 uh, habits, what's the 10 habits? The, the 10 things um, of emotionally unhealthy spirituality is also in a PDF on the church group. And we did ask people to go to that and to do a little bit of an assessment, to go and read them and think about yourself and see where you know those areas in your life where you need to work on it. So, I don't know, is, it, is someone changing Okay, I'm not sure what the next slide is. Okay, there they are. Um, take a quick read through them. Okay, the point is that um, one, of the, one of the main points that came out last week is that it is impossible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. I think you heard from Vuyo's sharing you know, it's going to be great to hear from different people how it's impacting them. But, um, you know, just learning those things around really becoming so aware about your emotions. So we, we're not going to go through this, but this is what we dug into last week. It's all on that um, lesson that has been posted, so you can go there. Okay, so the, the, this course is designed to help us grow. Now we did say that it, just because you've never done this course doesn't mean you've not grown as a Christian because God is faithful and his word transforms us. But remember we spoke about the iceberg, that there are those areas beneath the waters, often it's things we're not even aware of, like V was saying. He wasn't even aware of the fact that he didn't really connect the joints as to why he was feeling a certain way and how it was impacting on his emotions. And that starts helping us when we start really um, getting into looking at those things. But the, the reason why we're doing this is because we want to go deeper in our relationship with God and our relationships with one another. We want to learn to be image bearers who are reflecting Christ's image in everything we do in the way we walk with God, in the way we walk with each other, in the way that we walk with anyone else who is out there, your family, your friends, your colleagues, etc. So we want to grow. We want this to deeply change us. And not just to be a change. I think V made the point, we need to take this on further. But it's got to be something that has transformed us permanently if we are going to take it further. You know, sometimes we feel like we're backwards and forwards, you know, and then we become this wave tossed around. We don't want to be like that. So how does it do it? It takes these two aspects of emotional health and contemplative spirituality. Some of you may not have heard that word. So that is a, word, that is a term we're going to introduce to you. Emotional health. Emotional health is what we've been really talking about so far. It's about how you can learn to know yourself well so that you can choose 
to respond out of a place of being authentic, but in a healthy way. Okay. And that's why we need to go below the iceberg. That's why we need to go back, those kinds of things. So it's really understanding, firstly, that if you want to grow spiritually, you must be willing to understand emotionally how things impact on you. Okay, because if you don't grow emotionally, you will remain stunted spiritually. Okay. And then the second part of it is that this course is designed to equip people to have a really deep, real, living relationship with Jesus. And the way it does this is by incorporating stillness, silence, and scripture as a daily life rhythm. And that is the contemplative spirituality. You can separate these out. You know, we said last week, some people can grow emotionally, but they don't, they're not spiritually connected to God. They probably have some form of spirituality, but it's not God. Others may have a lot of Bible and etc., etc., but they emotionally are still very immature. And so it comes out in the way they behave. So it brings these two aspects together. And this is where we want to do the teaching, but you guys are going to be the ones who are going to have to do the contemplative part. We can't do that for you. We can't even do the emotional stuff for you. You need to be willing to go there and to tap into it. Um, so this, if, if you really dig into this and you give yourself fully to it, you will experience a deep, life-changing transformation. But it's only if you give your all to it. If you look in the outer circle there, what is the greatest commandment? I'm going to read quickly. I don't know, is the scripture up there? Yeah, there it is. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So when you fully embrace this process and you start transforming, you will find yourself with this growing natural ability to love God well, to love others well, and to love yourself well. Many of us do not know how to love ourselves well. So these two aspects work in tandem. We, don't, we can't separate them. Um, so, you know, as you, as you start digging in under the iceberg, you're going to sit, find yourself recognizing, as V has, and understanding and expressing and regulating your emotions more healthily, connecting in a deeper and a healthier way with God and with others. Um, you will start understanding what is beneath the iceberg and seeing it and be able to kick out the destructive part and hold on to the good. Um, you'll be able to communicate more honestly and in a vulnerable and clear way with others while still respecting that they are unique, not judging them, growing in your self-awareness, um, accepting your strengths, your weaknesses, your limits, and so much more. So the contemplative spirituality is really concerned with slowing down with God. It is 
the only way to do it. If we are too busy rushing through life and we do not make that time to slow down to be with God. Remember, one of the other points that came out is we want to be with God before doing for God. So you do out of an overflow of your being with God. Now, contemplative spirituality has actually had a really bad rap amongst many Christians. They're like, ooh, no, 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 don't go there. They think it's dangerous because many religions practice a form of contemplative spirituality. However, we are not talking about emptying your mind. We're talking about filling our minds and filling our hearts with God. We're not talking about you know, some mystical experience that you are seeking. We want to draw close and encounter the living God. Okay. People who've gone to monasteries, monasticism, all of those guys, our, our fathers, our ancient fathers, they've known this for centuries, and we have neglected it. It became something woo, weird, you know. But going back to it, slowing down in our busy, busy lives will give us that ability to really draw close to God. Um, I actually really wanted to share a, a quick illustration. Marinda and I started this, that course that I think I shared with many of the sisters called Forming. And there was this example that I feel like is so incredible because it, it links up so well with this. Um, the Forming course is the, the very much the same idea of God having this real desire to transform us and to make us bearers of God's image. And he used this illustration of how the Christian life can be one of two things. The one is you're sitting in a boat, you've got your oars, and you are pulling on the oars, and you are trying to make way with the current, and you are fighting, and maybe you only have one oar, your one oar sank, and you're going around in circles, you feel exhausted, you feel discouraged, you feel worn down, maybe you feel like giving up, you know, Um, that's the one way. The other is that your life as a Christian is rather one of you are in a yacht with a sail, okay? And your task, your role is to align your sail so that it connects, that, that the wind can fill it. And the wind then carries you. Doesn't mean you're not doing anything. You know, the guy, he's still got to be at the tiller and guiding it. But you're not straining. Your sail is doing the work for you. And that is God, God's spirit that works in you, you know. So we stop striving of our own. We don't then feel like, oh, Christianity is a slog and I'm just not growing. It's something that naturally happens, you know. Um, So as we transform We move from striving to do the right thing for God um, to where we allow God to work in our hearts, especially those deep recesses of your iceberg, you know, that you haven't even encountered so that you can truly change. You can't force this outcome, okay? And as you engage with God daily through the day by day that all of you should have, this is where 
this amazing process starts taking place. You know, and as I used that day by day, it was quite amazing. I felt like I got into this rhythm, and even now I'm using something else, but as I sit down and I begin this process of becoming still and quietening down, it's like my heart rate drops. I have this incredible peace that washes over me, and I find that time so refreshing, even though it is a short time. It's, it's remarkable. It really is. And it becomes this rhythm in your life, not just once a day, but twice a day. Now, what we're going to do is we're actually going to watch a little video that speaks about the day by day. Oh, do I just need to push it? Um, and we hope you are able to understand how you are going to be using the day by day. This is Pete Scazzaro. And I think it's about seven minutes, so do I just hit it again? The Emotionally Healthy Spirituality Day-by-Day Book, or the EHS Day-by-Day Book, is the very core of the EHS course. Why? It is about equipping people like yourself and me to be with Jesus. Without connecting with Jesus personally and deeply, there really cannot be any change in our lives, nor in our churches, any deep change anyway. For more than 30 years, I've been a pastor in Queens, New York, with people from over 73 nations in our church. At the same time, I've traveled a bit around the world speaking to pastors and leaders, and I've been observing the church in a variety of settings and denominations. And I think I can say with some authority now that we have a crisis in the church today. Many Christians in our churches believe in Jesus, but their relationship with him is barely existent at times or seriously underdeveloped. The following are common answers I hear when I ask people about their rhythms of spending time with God. They say things like, I only think of God on my drive to work in the morning. Or my rhythms, they're non-existent. Or spending time with God for me, Pete, is when I have time. It's really not a priority. I'm a binger, Pete. When I, I fill up for days, I fill up on Jesus, and then I starve for days. Or my rhythms only exist in church on Sundays and our monthly women's group. Or, I don't have any rhythms, and I basically only call on God when I'm in a jam. Or, most of my time, Pete is spent speaking to God, and I tell him things that are bothering me. Or, as one 19-year-old told me, I just rush through devotions to get them done. That is nothing less than a spiritual crisis for the church today. Especially when we consider that God's love for the world comes primarily through his people, us. For this reason... The core of the EHS course is this EHS day-by-day book. It's also the most difficult and challenging part of the eight-week course. It's introducing people to silence, solitude, loving union with Jesus, rhythms, listening, not simply talking, learning to practice God's presence all through the day, and a firsthand spirituality with Jesus rather than living off the spirituality of others. The EHS day-by-day was written as part of the EHS course. The theme of each week goes along to reinforce each of the eight chapters or sessions of the EHS book and workbook. But the daily office differs from what we label today as quiet time or devotions. Quiet time or devotions normally take place one time a day in the mornings, with the emphasis being on getting filled up for the day or interceding for the needs around me. The daily office, on the other hand, it it normally takes place at least twice a day. And it's not so much a turning to God to get something. It's about being with him, about communion with God. The goal of the daily office, as with a quiet time, is to pay attention to God all through the day when I'm active, 
That's the goal. It's so easy to live most of our waking hours without any awareness of God's presence. So the basic premise of the daily office is simple. I need to stop intentionally to be with God more than one time a day so that the practice of the presence of God, to use Brother Lawrence's phrase, becomes a real possibility. While there are five elements to each office, scripture, a devotional, a question to ponder, and a prayer, the core of this daily office is the two minutes of silence and stillness that begins and ends each office. Why? Because silence and stillness are the two most radical spiritual disciplines that need to be injected into a paradigm shift of how we do discipleship in our lives and in our churches. Silence and stillness are indispensable to slow us down so we can cultivate a firsthand personal relationship with Jesus. In those two minutes of silence and stillness, we stop our activity and pause to be with the living God. We obey the biblical commands, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him, Psalm 37, 7. Or be still and know that I am God, Psalm 46, 10. All religions practice silence. What makes silence unique for us is that we are silent before the Lord himself. This will be difficult, especially at first. Our internal and external worlds are filled with noise and distractions. But unless we learn to be quiet in God's presence and not simply keep talking to him all the time, how will we mature into Christian adults? How will our relationship with God develop any depth? As Dallas Willard has said, silence is frightening because it strips us as nothing else, throwing us upon the stark realities of our lives. Yet it is the place of deep communion and transformation. We recommend the following guidelines to help you begin to do those two minutes of stillness and silence. You sit down and take a few deep breaths to settle into the silence. You choose a very simple prayer to express your openness and desire for God. Something like Abba or Father or Jesus, Holy Spirit, Lord, here I am. Close your eyes and you offer this prayer to Jesus, allowing his will and his love full access in your life. And then when you become distracted, offer again your simple prayer back to God. Oh, Jesus. Give yourself lots of grace here. When we sit in silence and stillness, we begin the process of allowing God to be the center of our lives. We let go of control and the agenda for our lives. We stop to surrender our will to his will. We open ourselves up to hear him, to hear him speak. We receive his love. Again, this is challenging. Uh, these spiritual practices however, turn life upside down. But as we practice quieting every inner and outer voice in order to be attentive to God, we find ourselves more relaxed, less triggered, less hurried, and maturing in our relationship with Jesus. We also learn that when God says, be still and know that I am God, he's referring to an intimate knowledge of him that can only come out of silence. So be encouraged as you enter into this 40-day experience with the daily office. Hear the words of Moses to the Israelites as they found themselves between Pharaoh's army that were pursuing them to kill them from behind and the Red Sea in front of them. And Moses says the following in Exodus 14, do not be afraid. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And I trust that you will find as I have that when you stop to be still, 
and silent before the Lord, he really does fight for you. Right. Now you've met Pete Scazzero, who um, is the, the person behind this process and the material that, that we will be using. Okay, so I have just one point to make. It's, I want to encourage you with, with a universal truth. The universal truth is that you will reap what you sow. And I know in the past that's been used more in a negative warning sense than a, than a positive thing. You guys, yeah, you, you're nodding, right? You know, but I, I want to encourage you with that. It, it is a truth, you know. We read in Galatians 5 that if we, if we sow from the Spirit, we will reap um, a harvest of spiritual fruit. And it's a biblical principle that we know it's, it is, in fact, a, a universal truth. It's not only true of us spiritually, but decisions we make now, effort we put in now, where we invest, decisions we make now will affect us. You know, everything we do ha- has consequences. And what we want to encourage us all to do is to um, invest, in, invest in this process. Um, I encourage us to embrace this, um, the Sabbaths and the, um, the daily office that has just been described to us. You know, that we spend time in prayer, we spend time in the Word, we, we put aside the time for the devos. We embrace the relationships that we have and which are going to deepen through this process. And as we, as we sow into these activities, we will reap, you know, transformation. We will reap image restoration. We will become more and more like Jesus. I have just one passage to share with you. Okay, in Hosea 10 verse 12, we read this. Sow righteousness for yourselves, reap the fruit of unfailing love, and break up your unplowed ground, for it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers his righteousness on you. Now God used his prophets, including Hosea at this time, to, to warn Israel. You know, Israel, his people weren't doing well at all. Um, they, they were into idolatry, and they were living for themselves. You know, but God reminds them to sow righteousness. Sow righteousness for yourselves. Reap the fruit of unfailing love. The unfailing love referred to here is the love of God himself. You know, but God says, from your side, sow righteousness. You know, and and righteousness speaks about being in right standing with God, but being in close loving relationship with God. Choosing to do the right things. You know, to obey the, you know, the commandments, the law. Instead of following, you know, idols, uh, to actually love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. As this was a promise to Israel and an encouragement, you know, that's encouragement for us as well. But note, it goes on to say, and break up the unplowed ground, for it is time to seek the Lord. And then he speaks about his blessings that will come. And the unplowed ground here has a spiritual context. Uh, Unplowed ground or fallow ground is... Uh, it refers to ground that was good for cultivation, but which hadn't yet been prepared. It hadn't yet been dug up and plowed, but it was there waiting. It was opportunity. And this refers to the heart of Israel. And, if, and I believe it refers to our hearts as well. And I encourage us to really take up the challenge, um, you know, to sow righteousness. And as we go through this process, to really benefit and invest we are going to have to look inward. We are going to have to 
see parts of our hearts and ourselves that we haven't yet. We might not be aware of it. It might, it might be parts of our, our being that we're not comfortable to go to. It is the equivalent of this unplowed ground. So I encourage us to, you know, to embrace the opportunity to do deep self-reflection, you know, to share as we're going to share in the groups. And it's not as threatening as it sounds. I think as, you know, Vuyu shared as well, I can relate to a lot of what he said. It, in, in a safe environment with brothers and sisters, um, it's wonderful to share. You know, we're not judged, but as we share and as we listen to each other, God will, will identify for us some of the unplowed ground in our hearts and in ourselves. And as we're willing to go there and to actually, you know, prepare that ground, then we will reap, we will reap um, the benefits, you know, God's righteousness. We will become more and more like, like Jesus. Okay, so as we continue this process, I want to just give you the kind of milestones on the journey, if I can put it that way. We're going to be covering seven um, aspects. They are really pathways to environmentally healthy, sorry, emotionally healthy, emotionally healthy spirituality. Listen, there's also an environmental responsibility. Amen. Emotionally healthy spirituality. We're going to learn how to know ourselves that we may know God. To go back in order to go forward. Journey through the wall. Vuyu sort of hinted at that. Enlarge your soul through grief and loss. Just how we, how we approach grief and loss. Discover the rhythms of the daily office and Sabbath that was introduced to us a moment ago. To how to grow into emotionally healthy adults. And then finally, and really pulls it all together, how to develop what's called a rule of life. Amen. So that's it. Uh, what we're going to do after our f- closing song is to break into the groups. Um, I just want to encourage the men here to grab a chair and to take it downstairs. Okay, we'll figure out where to sit um, outside. Okay, um, I do, sorry, I do have this final slide in case you didn't get a chance to read it yesterday. These are the groups. You can see your names. You would have had a chance yesterday. Um, so just find out from your facilitator where you're going to meet, but let me just say, men, we'll get out the way, pick up a chair, go downstairs, and we'll take it from there.